Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Guys, I'm excited to share God's Word with you this morning, so get your Bibles, your Bible apps out, get some notes, get ready to jot a few things down, because I've been praying that God will speak to you. God will actually take what I'm sharing today and will custom design it for your situation, what you're facing right now. Open your Bibles up to the book of Mark, chapter number 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we're going to read through a passage there in just a second. While you're looking up Mark 4:35, um, man, uh, Hurricane Dorian is history. It, it finally made landfall. Uh, I think yesterday, yeah, yesterday. But it, it tore up a lot. Uh, there were lives that were lost, uh, but it never made landfall on the U.S. mainland, which was, uh, uh, I, you know, I think it was a sheer miracle, really. Uh, but for me, hurricanes have always captured my attention, and I think once you've rode out a major hurricane. You'll never look at a hurricane the same, and some of you know that, that I have. I mean, that, that's me. That's part of my story. Back in 1980, I was 15 years old, and I found myself in the middle of the scariest storm I've ever experienced by far. I lived off the South Texas coast in, uh, in the city of Harlingen, down the Rio Grande Valley. It was hurricane season in 1980, and the big one was coming, the biggest one that had ever hit that area. Uh, in fact, this, uh, this chart that they're, they put up here on the screen reflects the fact that Hurricane Allen still stands as the record for the highest sustained winds in the ent- entire Atlantic Basin. Um, we were warned that this was a killer storm. Hundreds of lives had already been lost in the Caribbean when it was a smaller Category 3 storm. National Weather Service, uh, they, they charted the eye which is where the strongest winds are, the, the eye of the storm would be passing directly over where we lived. And uh, because of the forecast, about a week out, everyone began preparing their houses and their, and their businesses, boarding up windows, stocking up on supplies. We were told to stock up for at least a week, a uh, better two to three weeks of, of everything. We lived in an older wood frame house built in the 1920s, and, and everyone in houses like that were told to board up and leave. In fact, I remember vividly seeing that on television where they were saying 190 per hour winds will flatten houses like that, so you've got to get out. Uh, Friday, August 8th, 1980, the edge of the storm was starting to move in. I'll never forget that day as I went out and began to watch the the, the little, uh, these, these little lines of clouds beginning to move in as the outer bands slowly began to come into Harlingen. And uh, it just looked so peaceful, just kind of pretty stuff up in the sky, but we knew what was coming behind it was going to be pretty intense. And uh, this is what the hurricane looked like on that day. Uh, <clears throat> that night, we relocated to my, uh, my friend's house, to a friend's house of, that my dad had, and and they had a brand new brick home, good solid house, so we knew that was the best place to ride it out, so we went there and we waited. They said we'd probably be indoors for about a day, but little did we know we were boarded up in that house for three days. I clearly remember when the electricity went off, and uh, there was no more television news and, and weather. Everything was black. Everything was black, d- very dark inside because all the windows were boarded up in the house. Uh, the water then shut off. And all we had were battery-powered transistor radios. 
where we could listen to the weather reports, but then even a little later on, the radio stations were knocked out as well, and there was no, there was no communication with the outside world. Uh, let me tell you, when that happened, uh, it was the, the howling wind outside, which was relentless. It just did not stop. The sound of the wind, the sound of the creaking house, and, uh, and the sounds, occasional sounds of things hitting the house, uh, it, was, it was intense. And this went on for hour after hour after hour. We were basically at the mercy of the storm. <clears throat> we prayed. I remember us praying there in that dark house for the hurricane to turn north and, and just to, so, that it, so that the center of the hurricane would not hit us directly. Uh, I remember us reading our Bibles and we sang together and we worshiped. It was, it's just all so clear still today because it was such a really a very traumatic uh, period. I, I don't know if my dad slept at all, but I'm kind of glad because that helped me to know if dad's awake, everything's going to be all right, you know. But we were all locked up there together in that house. We couldn't tell day from night. Um, the darkness with the added noise, it was really overwhelming. But I remember I came to a place where I eventually found peace, and I slept. Dad told me later on that I slept for 14 hours and uh, the storm though it was relentless it didn't pass through quickly like it was forecasted on a Monday August 11th we went outside and we saw a huge mess the streets were impassable uh, but the utter destruction that was forecasted didn't happen it took us a little while longer to find out what happened but the next day we we discovered that the eye of Hurricane Allen stalled 30 miles off the coast of South Padre Island, and there it weakened to a Category 3 hurricane. It lost 50 miles per hour of the punch, the wind punch, and, uh, and then it made a slight turn and went just about 20 miles north of us, which happened to be something called the King Ranch, which is the most uh, desolate. There's nobody lives there. It, it's, it's the least populated area of all of Texas right there on the coast. Reporters, meteorologists, they could only say one thing. They just said, this is really a miracle. And we prayed. We believed Jesus. We just believed in Jesus. Sometimes all you can do is just say his name, Jesus. And he brought us peace, the peace that only he could bring. I remember going to sleep during the hurricane, um, and I, I recall just that I just have to have this full faith and trust in God, knowing that God is the only one who can bring us to safety. It's interesting because King David, he penned those same words in a song that he wrote when he was facing one of his uh, horrendous life storms. And in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, he said, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Guys, I've experienced that, and I know it's real. Today's message is entitled, Peace in the Storm. Do you know that Jesus slept through a storm also? He knew how to engage peace in the storm. In our text today, in Mark chapter number 4, verse 35, we see Jesus had just finished up a big, long, full day of ministry. He wanted some rest. He needed to get away from the crowd. And so the easiest way was for him to get into the boat and go across the lake. So we pick up in the story in Matthew chapter 4, verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side 
leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And then it says, there were also other boats with him. A little side note, whatever storm you're going through, whatever's going on, you're not the only one who's going through something like that. There are other boats around. Back to the text, it says, a furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? But he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said, Quiet, peace, be still. The wind died down. It was completely calm. Then he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Listen to this, he says, Do you still have no faith? No faith, that also means no belief. They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Interesting story, one of my favorites in the Bible. But Jesus had peace in that storm, but the disciples didn't. They didn't have faith. They didn't believe. Let's be honest, we're a lot like those disciples. We want to serve Jesus, we want to try to have faith, but sometimes we just freak. Storms happen in our lives. And I'm not talking just about wind storms, but financial storms. There are relationship storms, storms on the job, storms where nobody can help you out, storms where you're embarrassed that anyone should even find out what's going on, storms of sickness and disease, storms of emotional breakdown. You feel dark and you feel lonely. You feel angry, you feel ashamed, you feel fear, you feel like you're the only one who's out there. So here's the big question. Where is Jesus in the middle of your storm? You know you ask that sometimes. Like, does God even care? I mean, have you ever felt that way? Like, I have. God, where are you? God, did you, did you fall asleep? Are you busy with someone else who's better than me or someone who you like better? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Well, the disciples were convinced that they were going to drown. Some of you, you're also convinced right now that you're going to go under. But what they didn't do, the disciples didn't do, was have faith. Believe, because belief could have brought them peace in the middle of their storm. You might say, well, belief in what? Well, it's not even a belief in what. It's a belief in who. It's belief in Jesus because what Jesus does is he brings peace in storms. He just does. I want to explain how this works. I mean, it is my confession, and I, I believe this, and I want this, is that Jesus, that he is the God of peace during my storms. But I know this, when I'm not believing in him, my storms create all kinds of fear. The kind of belief I'm talking about is, is a belief that God is right here, whether you can see it or feel it. He's here right now. He's in the middle of your raging storm. Jesus' disciples thought that the presence of Jesus in the boat was like inconsequential to the storm, but they were wrong. Sometimes our feelings about how distant God is, they actually betray us. They cause us to even back off more. Fear brings us uh, clouds of doubt. And hope begins to dissolve. Fear seems like everything is just going to be impossible right now. Fear creates these mental images of worst-case scenarios. 
Fear causes our doubt to spike, and fear causes our hope to decrease, and it's gone. And you begin to think in your storm, the only way to deal with the storm is to use your own methods, use your own techniques and your skills and your intellect. But what you've forgotten, though, is that you're not alone in your storm. Jesus is right there in the stern. God's presence, it is absolutely unchanging, and he is with us always, and he is very, very present. But the evidence of God's presence doesn't always show up. We don't always see it. We don't always feel necessarily that God is there, and you guys know what I'm talking about. But he is. You know, Moses reminded Joshua of this. Joshua had seen and felt God all of his, all of his life as, as, uh, as he was the second in command leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And right before Moses died and handed over the leadership to Joshua, he reminded him of this. He said, listen, Joshua, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes, like, we know that in our heads, but right here we don't get it. But I want you to get that right here. Some of you, that's your scripture for the day. This is something you can believe in. But really it's not something to believe in, it's someone to believe in, and that's God. You see, the, the wrong belief is, well, he's not with me, he's just forsaken me, he's given up on me. And, and the disciples, they basically concluded that since Jesus was sleeping on the pillow, that he didn't care about their storms, and he didn't care about their potential death by drowning that day. They failed to believe in Jesus, and that's really what happened. But of course, Jesus, like I read, he got up and he calmed the wind and the waves. He calmed the storm. It ceased. Peace be still. And it became calm. Now, wouldn't it be nice if every storm you're going through just all of a sudden ends that quickly? Wouldn't that be nice? I'd like that. But at the same time, there is no promise from God that he's going to calm all of your storms. There isn't. See, there's another story in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 27, it's a star- story about a storm and a boat, a ship. And actually, uh, that storm lasted not hours, but weeks, two weeks. And then the ship was eventually wrecked. So why, why did God calm one storm, but not calm the other? Sometimes we try to reason all that, but I'll just have to tell you some things I don't understand. Sometimes it doesn't seem fair. But Jesus doesn't immediately calm all of your storms. But he is there to calm you and to give you peace. And that's where I'm asking you to go today. I don't don't think I'm ever going to enjoy storms. But I've learned something about storms, and this has been good for me, and I still continue to learn it, is to enjoy God's peace during the storm. And I really take it back to my hurricane experience. It comes down to this. It's just simple belief in Jesus. Belief that God will be with you. How do you do that? You, you simply talk to him in the middle of your storm. You thank him in the middle of your storm. You, you, you honor him. Uh, Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He said, do not be anxious. Just don't have anxiety. Don't have fear, Okay. Do not be anxious about anything. But what do we do in the, in, the, in the time of anxiety? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. Prayer, petition, honoring God, worshiping God in the middle of the thing that should bring you anxiety. And look at verse 7. It goes on to say what will, what will happen. It says, and then, then the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense that you'll have peace in the storm. The peace then will guard your heart, which means your emotions and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's pretty good. Peace will guard your mind. Peace will guard guard your emotions when you pray and you believe in Jesus in the middle of your storm. Unfortunately, uh, our culture values individualism we promote independence we promote this thing of i'm going to stand up on my own two feet we value believing in ourselves above believing in jesus and i will call that wrong belief i didn't say don't believe in yourself don't believe in yourself above jesus all right because wrong belief will fuel fear because you know yourself and you know you're not as good as you think you are (laughs) belief in yourself it will never dissipate your fears. Why? It's because you are looking to your own flawed ability to pull yourself out of the mess and to overcome your own stress and to win the battle on your own. See, believing in self above believing in God is a wrong belief system. That belief system needs to be jettisoned out of your life, and we constantly have to keep bailing that out of our life. I I, uh, noticed something interesting as I was studying this passage because when they were telling Jesus to wake up, I do not at all believe they expected Jesus to calm the storm. When I was a little kid, we were in Sunday school, I, I would hear the story and we think, oh good, they're waking him up so Jesus can calm the storm. Well, I really don't see that in the passage. They were actually angry at Jesus because they thought they were gonna die. And they most likely expected Jesus to wake up and bail water and to panic with the rest of them. And this is really clear because of how they reacted when Jesus actually did calm the storm. So did they expect a miracle or were they just looking for an extra hand to bail some water? I really believe they just wanted another hand on deck. False belief. And we do the same. God, do you even care? It's like we offer God a suggestion. We say, God, I'd like for you to take on this reduced role and grab a bucket and bail water right here and right now. Yeah, I mean, we might believe God's present, but the degree that God will help us is very minimal. So, But I want you to catch this. True belief in Jesus will bring you peace. It will. It'll calm you peace to your mind and your emotions and you'll be able to think much more clearly and have God on your side as you walk through your storm. Sometimes peace will come to your raging storms. He'll bring peace to the storm. Sometimes it'll be peace to your fears. Sometimes it'll just be peace right in the middle of the storm or during the storm. But so often we're just like those disciples. We we get disappointed with God's inaction during the storm. Yet When he brings peace, we tend to be surprised by his action. (laughs) I mean, think about this. They saw Jesus do incredible miracles. I mean, they believed that Jesus could hear a a paralyzed man. But calm a storm? (laughs) No way. It's just like us. Well, I've never seen it. I can't imagine it. I've never seen it on YouTube. So my lack of belief means there's no way this could happen. But you got to remember, nothing is impossible with God, and nothing means nothing. 
No storm is going to last forever either, guys. But I do know this. When the storm is on you, it's hard to see anything but the storm. So I don't know what your storm is. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe you're not in a storm right now, but you will be. Maybe it's abandonment. Possibly it's financial. Could be a job loss. Maybe it's just some kind of a disaster. The loss of a friend. Maybe the death of a loved one. And right now, all you can see in front of you is the storm. The storm itself. And you're about ready to freak out. (laughs) You know, a boat on a normal, clear, quiet night. You get on a boat like that and conversation just flows so well. In fact, I was with some friends on a boat recently and, and uh, out in the middle of a lake at night and, and conversation was so easy. You could just hear, everybody could hear everybody so easy. You could hear people talking on the other side of the lake. You could hear conversation everywhere. It just flowed so nice. It was so peaceful because your voice will carry great distances when everything's peaceful. And we like it when it's that way. There's ease of communication, peace, tranquility, communication. We're all happy. But that doesn't happen in storms, does it? No. Peace isn't automatic. Sometimes your words just seem to fly right back at you. In fact, during storms, a lot of times we think, well, why do I even need to communicate? I'm not even going to try. I can't even think clearly. But I would say that's also the biggest temptation during the storm is just to shut down. We hide. We become myopic. I think I've just got to try to survive. I've just got to try to make it through. I've got to look to myself. I've got to believe in myself or I'm going to have to go to some type of sedative to placate the stress of my storm that I'm going through. But I am asking you to believe, to believe in the one who calms storms and brings you personal peace because Jesus understands you and Jesus knows how you feel and he wants to calm you during your storm and he just might calm your storm as well you may have to bail water out afterwards i mean think the disciples after the storm was clear that it does not say that the boat was dry (laughs) they probably had to keep bailing it out but he's still there with you and you can have peace while you bail (laughs) yet we're often just like the disciples because our greatest temptation is assuming that Jesus doesn't have power to reverse the storm. And he may reverse it, and he may not. But here's the thing I really want you to get. God will never abandon you during your storm. You are the child of God. He will stay with you. He will stick with you. He's always there. And when it all boils down, we either choose to believe or to disbelieve God. You're either going to believe it or not believe. It's like what Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, 31. He said, do you now believe? (laughs) That's what he's saying to us today. It's like, do you even believe in me? I want you to believe in me. I mean, think about this. God even sends his angels to watch over and protect us. If God is near, his angels are also present. So why do we feel like we have to fix it on our own? Why do we get so stressed and worried and fearful like the disciples? Jesus, the Son of God, 
The miracle worker is right here with you, and he was right there in the boat. But they still thought they were going to die. You might say, well, yeah, Jesus was sleeping. Yeah, Jesus had peace (laughs) during the storm. Let me ask you something. Does Jesus know all things? Yeah. Does Jesus know what's going to happen an hour from now? Yeah, he does. So do you think Jesus knew when he got stepped into the boat on the shore and went out there and laid his head down? Did Jesus know that a storm was about ready to come up and scare everyone? Yeah. I think, well, if Jesus knew, then why did he go to sleep? It's because he had peace. It's something the disciples didn't have, and they learned to have that day. King David said it well. He says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with what? Peace. Peace is a blessing from God. The Lord blesses you with peace. And that's what I want you to have today. I mean, I want peace in my storms. I want more peace in my storms. I'm still learning to not freak out, but to believe. But I've also learned that when I'm in the storms, there's a way to begin to engage that peace, to receive that peace, and it's to grow more dependent on God during the storm. There's actually a way to create this atmosphere of God's peace during your storms. Here's how it works. First of all, we know that God is omnipresent, right? That means he's present everywhere. But his presence can also be focused. It can be concentrated. And we as believers have the ability to create the atmosphere for that to happen. We do. In fact, last week I was writing out some of the challenge, some challenges for our staff team. And one of those challenges that I wrote out was this, is to, to enhance and engage his presence. Engage and enhance his presence. What does that mean? That's where we're going to do whatever is necessary to like grow the presence of God. Yeah, he's everywhere, but we want a concentration of God's presence. How do we do that? We just confess our dependence upon God. God, we need you. We can't do this on our own strength. We, we need you, God. We do that through worship and through praise. In fact, I want the worship and team and band to come up. What, what worship does is it causes us to soar really high. We begin to soar over the storm. You ever thought about those weather planes that fly into the eyes of hurricanes? How do they make it in there? Here's how. They get up to a really high altitude and they soar far above the storm. Up there, there's no turbulence. It's just smooth sailing. It's beautiful. Does that mean the storm's gone? No, it doesn't. They're soaring above the storm and that's my challenge for you. When we begin to engage the presence of Jesus and enhance his presence through worship, we begin to soar above our storms. That's the power of worship. He can give you peace during your storm. So as I close our message today, I'm going to challenge you to soar, soar to that high place over these next few minutes, above the turbulence, above the storm, Just declare your love for Jesus and his peace in the middle of the storm and just to focus on him and say, God, with you, I'm not going to be afraid. I know you're with me and I'm going to make it to the other side. Hey guys, do you believe this? Do Do you really believe in Jesus? He is your God, your God of miracles.
I'd like there to be no movement at this time for just a moment. Uh, I want you to close your eyes, just focus internally. Maybe you're here today and you haven't surrendered your life completely to Jesus. Possibly you've drifted away from relationship with God, I don't know. But, um, but if you want to know the Jesus, the Jesus of peace that we talk about, you want a new beginning, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond simply by lifting your hand. At the count of three, when I count to three, just, just lift your hand up so that I can see it and connect my faith with yours and we can pray together. And, and know this, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life and life to the full. So if you want to surrender your life completely to Jesus and pray this prayer with me, will you lift your hand? One, two, three. Lift it up so that I can see it. Thank you. Who else? You can put your hands down. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this with me. But I also want everyone else in this room to pray it. Believers, congregation, will you pray these words with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sin. It's time for me to live. I give up my past. And I embrace the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.